Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Hoops Podcast. My name's Kane Pittman. You can find all my work over at ESPN.com.au. And we have pivoted a little bit to the NBA. We're also going to start to really focus in on the World Cup campaign coming up for the Boomers. There's an Asia Cup campaign for the Opals as well. So there's just plenty going on in the Hoops world. But for today, we're going to focus on the NBA. And we're going to focus on the latest Australian to put in work over in the NBA, get their opportunity, and most importantly, make the absolute most of it. We are talking about Xavier Cooks. It's been a fascinating journey for Xavier Cooks since coming back to the Sydney Kings a few years ago. A whole bunch of health issues along the way. Then when he did get healthy, he won a grand final MVP and a title in NBL 22. And then he won a regular season MVP and a second NBL title in this season gone and jetted straight across to the Washington Wizards. So it's been a wild few weeks for Xavier Cooks. He's back in Australia. It was the perfect time to catch up with him and talk about the Kings, talk about the Washington Wizards and talk about the Boomers and everything in between. So let's not waste any time and get into a really fun and fascinating conversation with Xavier Cooks. X, it's always good to catch up, mate. And you've been back in Australia for a couple of days now. I imagine getting on the plane this time an NBA player with the contract for next season is a pretty satisfying feeling as you come home. Uh, yeah, it was a really cool feeling. I mean, it was a really cool feeling going over there in the first place. So everything's <laughs> all good around here. I love it. Uh, so have you had a chance at all for your mind to slow down or stop racing? And we'll go through everything that you've done the last few months. But um, to me, just completely from the outside, watching you here, two days later, you're over there. It just feels like it, it couldn't have been any more crazy. It was pretty crazy. I probably had a day after the season finished just to reflect on the whole championship and then the whole move to America. And it's been pretty overwhelming, but I've loved the process so far. Uh, so your first minutes in the NBA, and this again was, uh, I don't know, whatever it was, 72 hours after you're in Sydney winning the title. You're playing Sacramento. The game is pretty much over and, and you come in. And I'm sitting on my couch and I'm watching you and the camera's right in on your face and I'm looking for some kind of smile or something but I guess with the game situation, you can't show too much emotion. What is actually going through your head when you come in at that point? Uh, probably like two minutes before I came in, I was yawning on the bench, tired. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was so jet lagged. And then coach was like, hey, Xavier, you're in. I never get called Xavier. I was like, who's he talking to? Yeah. And then I, I went in there and um, it was it was awesome. Like It's still basketball, but it was a little bit of a, a culture shock. You know, just being on the court with Sabonis and those kind of guys. And it was a, a culture shock, but it was also cool at the same time. And it was great to go against Delhi in my first game because like, Delhi's one of the nicest guys I've ever met, and it was awesome to go against him. Uh, what, so what was the timeline? If, if we go back, because you say that you're on the bench yawning. So I still remember, and I didn't go back and watch it, but I just remember from the top of my head, you're doing an interview on the court with the Kings post game, and you said something along the lines of, man, I'm just looking forward to having a few beers and enjoying this. And then, as I said, before you know it, you're on an NBA court. So what was that timeline like in, in that period? Yeah, we won the championship. I uh, probably went to the casino for like two hours and then I hit the wall. <laughs> I was so tired. All those beers, excitement kind of wore me down. Um, I got on the flight the next morning at like 10 a.m. And then I landed, say, I'm not sure, maybe like a Wednesday. And then I had a game um, on the, the Friday. So all the Thursday was just filled with just medicals and all that kind of stuff. And then the hardest thing was just the jet lag. Um, hmm. The game was at like 5 a.m. my time back in Sydney. So I was just exhausted. But it was a crazy turn of events. And then even after the first game, we got on a plane to another game the next day. Like it's a crazy schedule over there but it was cool uh were you on the plane over there 
you said how tired you were for obvious reasons. Not only uh, the stuff that you were going through, but Sydney to New Zealand and back again. There was a lot of travel, even in that grand final series. Uh, were you able to relax on this plane over to the US or are you just too excited, nervous, anxious? What is the, the thought process? Yeah, um, I, flew, I flew to LA and LA is about 12 hours. I probably rested that, that whole flight. And then from LA to DC, I was by myself. I had my agent from me to, out to LA and then from DC, uh, to LA to DC by myself. And uh, that's when I started to get a little bit nervous and like, I don't love when you have to go to a new place and you're the new yeah. guy on the block and everyone knows each other and you're that fresh guy on the block. But uh, it was cool. It was cool. Everyone was really welcoming and really lovely. So it was awesome. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. So uh, I was thinking of guys that we've seen go over to the NBA in recent years. And yeah, maybe Jock Landau is a perfect example from NBL to NBA. But he had a whole season to work his way into the team, understand the system. You're coming in with literally two and a half weeks left in the year. So how do you try and fit in? Do you need to try and fit in? Do you just go and watch everyone else and try and soak in as much as you can? Um, off the court, I fit in pretty well. Um, everyone's really welcoming. Everyone's making a really big effort to like go out for dinner or go play some golf, stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, on the court, I was just really trying to get up to speed, um, you know, trying to learn the terminology, learn the players' names, learn all the kind of plays and that kind of stuff. Um, but it was also awesome, in my opinion, because like I get this first month to try and get my, you know, get used to the situation over there. And then next season, I can really attack it and try and play Xavier Cook's basketball. Uh, so 10 games all up. And uh, as I mentioned, I tried to watch every minute you played. And one game does stand out to me because it was the first game that you got really major minutes. And it was against Milwaukee. And you talk about going up against some different guys. There was multiple possessions where you're defending Giannis, but Brooke Lopez is on the floor. Drew Holiday is on the floor. These guys won a title two years earlier. Um, in your first real... Uh, big time minutes in the NBA. Does anything stand out from that experience? Probably just how good Giannis is. Um, <laughs> I put, I kind of take pride in my defense and like going into this game, I had a couple of possessions. I was like, I played great defense and I gave up an and one. And then after the game, coach was like, you did a great job. I'm like, bro, you had a 30 point triple double. Like, what are you talking about? And like last time we played, you had 55. So we're getting better. And I'm like, oh, I love to hear that. <laughs> but um, probably that and just how well oiled machine they are. Um, they've got, Giannis who gets downhill and a bunch of shooters around them. And then on defense, they got Giannis who can switch on, the, on, on, switch on guards. And then Brooke Lopez is one of the best rim protectors around the league. So they're a real well-oiled machine. Just the way they go about it was awesome. Did you feel comfortable though? I, I guess that's the easiest way to put this. And I understand it's totally new. It's another level. And you've watched these guys as a professional yourself and a high, high level professional, but you've seen these guys on TV. You know all them. They maybe don't know you. Do you feel comfortable in those situations? And there's only been a few games so far. I think further as the season went along, I got more comfortable. Um, the first couple of games, especially that Bucks game, I was a little bit, you know, starstruck by Giannis. You know, I came onto the court and he's, he's massive, he's strong. At first quarter, I was like, I've got no chance. And then as the game goes on, you realize he's human. He makes errors and that kind of stuff. And, and as the more minutes came along, I got more comfortable, but it still takes some time. Uh, so you walk away from this and now you come home and uh, you've had the taste. You have got a contract for next season. So it, it has to be a pretty good feeling. But did you walk away pretty confident that, okay, I, 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 there's plenty of work to do, but I do feel like this is where I should be? Oh, for sure. Um, even getting over there, that's what I was grateful. Like the first month, I felt a little bit, like I said, starstruck and all that kind of stuff. And as time went on, I really felt comfortable and felt like I could play with these guys. Not only play, I could contribute at this kind of level. And um. That's a pretty cool feeling, in my opinion. Uh, so going through all this, and you had a lot on your plate with health stuff and, and NBL, uh, what was the, the process for you? And your agent obviously takes care of the bulk of it, but were you aware of 
potential opportunities, how close it was, uh, how uh, in tune were you with what was going on? Oh, to the NBA? During yeah. the, oh, not in tune at all. Uh, I mean, from the start of the season, I told my agent, like, I don't want to hear nothing about it until, like, I have to hear about it until it's time to sign some papers kind of thing, and if, if it comes around, pretty much. And then um, probably in the can series, um, when I rolled my ankle, I think it was game two, I was pretty down. I told my agent, I was like, man, I screwed it. And he's like, nah, bro, like, I've got some positive news. We've got a little contract, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And, but keep your head focused on the NBL. And that's easier said than done, trust me. So, yeah, it was a pretty crazy turn of events. But my agent did a great job of keeping me away from all, the, all that kind of stuff, all the nonsense. And uh, for you, again, we see guys that go over and the, the man that you were up against for that entire grand final se- uh, series, Jarrell Brantley, gets over there and gets a little opportunity as well. But um, for you to have some security with this deal... Uh, moving forward was that something that I mean I'm sure you would have taken the opportunity anyway but when you get a a chance like that with some security does that uh, come into your decision making or factor for you and your agent and your team and family oh for sure I mean I'd rather take a a two-year or three-year deal over a 10 days with a team that's you know you're saying so 100% but um I was just really just happy for the opportunity you know I'm happy for the opportunity and I'll make the most of it pretty much uh, so you mentioned the the injuries through this NBL playoff. So I, I'm pre- fairly certain you would be aware of the conversations that everyone was having. We had conversations on our show on ESPN. You spoke about it after the grand final and said, no, no, I was just focused on Sydney. Now that the dust has settled a little bit, I mean, I find it just from a human level, it would have been impossible not to think about, I'm banged up. I know I've got this deal on the table but this is a lifelong dream, but I'm committed to these guys on the MVP of this team as well. How, how challenging was that? Did you go through any type of mental uh, battle through that series? Um, not really. The biggest battle was just the injuries. Um, I never really, I was always going to try and give it a crack. Um, not just for myself, but it's pretty selfish of me, in my opinion, to get this far and then leave my boys high and dry. You know what I mean? Maybe I achieved my dreams getting to the NBA, but some guys' dreams are to win NBL championship. And who am I to worry about my dreams and not help them achieve theirs. So I didn't really think about it that way. It was just, I was pretty beat up and um, Brantley really gave it to me all series. So it was a tough playoffs. Uh, what did you get the sense from the Kings as well? Because, you know, when I spoke to people after game two and I think he played the eight or nine minutes, uh, it was a remarkable postseason win. And I'm sure for you sitting on the bench, it was difficult, but uh, you've seen how the guys were able to pull it out. And I, when I was speaking to people after the game, they said that you were desperate to get back on the floor. You would have gone back on the floor and it was the team saying, we literally cannot let you back on the floor. So did you get the sense from the team that there was, if you were going to be reckless about your health, and I'm not saying you were, but if you were going to be reckless, the team was like, hey, we're not going to let you do that. Um, yeah, to a degree. I mean, the Kings always have their, your best interest in heart, looking to the future. And I'm a 27-year-old guy that I'm good to go when I really wasn't <laughs> good to go. But it looked after me, but... You're right. It was tough to the initial decision when they told me I got to sit down. But after that initial five minutes goes by, I was just I was pumped up for my boys. I was inspired by the effort they were giving out there, and it was unbelievable to watch. What were you going through? What were the injuries? I don't know how much you can give away, but you you had ankles late in the season. Then you're just getting ran through early in these games. It looked like there was multiple uh, injuries you were dealing with. Yeah, I rolled my ankle in the Cairns series, and then the first game against New Zealand, I got a bad cork twice in the same spot. And then when I flew over to New Zealand, my knee blew up. It was swollen. And um, that was the main thing they were worried about. You can play through corks, but the swelling through the knee, they were a little bit worried about the stability and all that kind of stuff. But it was all good. We got through it. We got the championships. It was all good. Yeah. Would you, uh, this postseason, and I compare it to last year, and it's not to say that there weren't challenges last year 
you know, with Illawarra and Tasmania, but you were five and zero. And this year, there were multiple occasions where it, it looked like you guys were on the ropes and perhaps not going to find a way out of it. How would you compare the challenge of both postseasons? Yeah, um, just because we were 5-0 last year, it was a very tough playoffs. I mean, the Wollongong series, all three games were really tough. Um, and even the Tassie series. Two, game two was crazy. Game three was crazy. Like, it was a tough series. Um, this year was probably... The grand final was a lot more physical. And um, people got a little bit more doubtful, I guess you could say. Last year's team, yeah. we were so confident. We, we got this. Yeah. This year's team, when we're, we lose game one, we go to game two, me and Derek out, the doubt starts slipping a little bit. But... Um, it was different, but I think this year it felt we really earned it. You know what I mean? Last year, we got to the grand final and we just wanted to win it. This year, we felt like we, we had to win it. and we, we had a target on our back all year and we really embraced that. And we got that far that we come this far, we need to get over the line. And then I mean, even in game five, we we're, were down, what, 15 points at halftime or going in the third quarter or something like that. And we come back and win it. And that was just the story of our season, in my opinion. We had guys like Angus Glover step up, you know, Sean Bruce. And that was the, really the story of our season. I mean... A lot of our game winners were quite noisy, Sean Bruce, the kind yeah. of guys that didn't get much attention as me and Derek did. So that's what our season was about. Yeah, you mentioned some of the moments there or some of the players. Is there a moment or something that you think of straight away when you think about the that series, I guess? In the New Zealand series? Yeah. Probably probably just game two. Um, to be honest with you, just game two. Yeah. The way the boys fought, um, it wasn't a pretty game at all, but that's what players are about. You've got to find a way to win and just... I remember just Justin picking uh, McDowell White's pockets like three times, stuff like that. They got the whole bench fired up and it was a really cool feeling, especially when you're, when you're on the road, everyone doubts you, everyone counts you out and you just fight together as a team to pull it back. It was an unbelievable feeling. Uh, get, and, and I know you've been modest about this. And, and by the way, I, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, Gerald Bentley is an absolute beast. So we all understand that. But, and um, I love the fact that after the game, you two were straight away smiling, hugging. It seems like you guys have a a super respectful relationship as well. But what went into your game five though? Because until that point, we know the reasons why you were banged up. But that was a monster performance from you. Were you feeling better health-wise or was it just like, hey, this is this is going to be all will. This is going to be determination. Um, it was a bit of the will and determination. Um, a lot of these single game eliminations in my career, um, I've always shied away from the moments, I guess you could say. I mean, I was in college, I didn't have a great championship game twice in a row in, in Germany as well. So this kind of moment, I felt like I've let myself down in all these kind of big games. It's time to just go out there and give it your all. And the main thing I just try to do is just play through errors. Um, the start of the game, I was missing layups and that kind of thing normally deters me. I just started to get a bit more, I don't know, passing oriented, but I was missing shots and I just kept sticking to it and it kind of paid off that, that, that game. So yeah, it was good. Uh, what did you learn about your game uh, this season? And that's interesting that you say that, but uh, last year you were a monster for this team. This year you came in and everyone said, well, X is the man now. He was the grand final MVP last season and you followed on and won the MVP. So what did you learn or how did you feel that you grew through this season? Um, probably my consistency was the main thing I was impressed by. I mean, I think last year I had some good spurts when I had like maybe six games in a row really good. Whereas this year, for the most part, up until later in the season, for the first no, no, three quarters of the season, I was pretty consistent. I had a bit of a dry spurt, but I was pretty consistent all year, which I was pretty impressed with. And... Just the, I don't know, not not too much, actually. I, I don't know. I'm not really, I just, I'm not very good at giving myself compliments, I guess you could say. <laughs> I, I, I know that. I know that. That's why I asked you that. Uh, let's talk about other people then. Chase Buford. Let's do it. Let's do it. Chase Buford. Uh, and, you know, I, I've said this multiple times. I, I think that speaking to you guys, the respect he had with that locker room, 
for everything, not only being a great coach, but for the passion he has for the game and the passion he had for you guys. Uh, do you think he changed uh, at all this season or how have you seen him grow? Because he's still, I mean, it's hard for me to believe it. he's not that much older than me and he's done so much in his coaching career already. He's definitely changed a lot. Um, last season, we started off the year rough. We had a really rough season. Uh, we fought back and we won the championship. Whereas this year, we came out with a target on our back and it's tough to bring in so many new guys and to bring them up to, to the standard. Like you can come to training and learn the plays, but you got to learn how to fight for every single possession. And Chase did a great job from day one of letting the guys know about the little habits. Um, especially in the preseason, you're focused on the big picture about learning so many big schemes and all defensive coverages. But Chase has a great job of fine-tuning the little things. You, you don't go to page three when you've mastered page two, that kind of stuff. And he's unbelievable. And he's, I think he did a great job this year of learning how to communicate with his players. Um, he had a really close team this year and he did a good job of communicating with everybody. And he spoke uh, right at the start of the season. Well, you all did actually about the, the challenge of back-to-back. Uh, we've gone through some of the reasons why it was challenging in the postseason. How did you find it uh, right from the start? Because uh, as you pointed to, this was a little bit different. You guys were kind of on top all year. Uh, most people expected, including me, that you were just going to, to go and win until it, it was pretty close that you weren't going to. Yeah, I think that's the one thing I'm most impressed about our boys with. Like, everybody gave the Sydney Kings their best effort this year. You know what I mean? Everyone was so excited to come to Kudos Bank and try and beat the Kings. And for the most part, we stood up to the challenge and overcame it, like most times. And that's a really tough thing to do when you're playing 28 games. You know what I mean? It's pretty tough to do. And I'm impressed by the boys by it. Uh, what do you think of about the Sydney Kings organisation in general? You obviously came over a few years or came back a few years ago with a plan. Uh, and it was a little bit rough at the start. It didn't quite go perfectly for you. And now, you know, three, four years later, you're probably exactly where in your in your perfect scenario uh, you would be. And it feels like the Sydney Kings and everything that they put around for the players is a big part of that. 100%. I really can't thank the Sydney Kings enough for helping me achieve my dreams. I mean, I wouldn't be in the NBA if it wasn't for them. And um, they're a world-class organization. And you can tell, even our crowd numbers, we probably had better crowds in um, Sydney than I had in DC. Yes. And uh, there's more like intense and all that kind of stuff. And even the new facilities we're getting, there's a really a world-class organization, you can tell. I've said this before, and, and, I, and by the way, I was in New Zealand for game four, and that was as noisy as any building I've been in. And it was a, obviously half the, the size of the crowd that you guys had in Sydney. But that arena in Sydney is as close to an NBA arena you'll get in Australia. Um, 15,000 or whatever it was during the postseason, what was that like out on the floor? You spoke about pressure a little bit before, but you're down double digits with the title on the line. And I imagine that I wasn't there, but I imagine there was a fair bit of anxiety in that building. You, you would think so. Like you would really think so, especially amongst the team. But like, it was a really weird feeling. We, we were down, but you would never tell by our team's demeanor. Like we stayed confident. We never really doubted ourselves during that stretch because like they were hitting tough shots and things weren't falling for us. But we'll, the game was going the way we wanted it to go. It was a fast-paced game and McDowell White hit some threes and all that kind of stuff, but it was going the way we wanted. And it was an unbelievable feeling. And just like the way we fought back in that fourth quarter, hearing the crowd roar and like, it was an unbelievable feeling. They were lucky forever. It was awesome. And your and one, and I'm, I'm sure people that watched the series will remember in the fourth quarter when you guys were really making a run. Um, that is one of the moments that stands out to me. And again, just for, through the TV, it sounded like about as loud as that building could possibly be. Is that something that stands out oh it was unbelievably loud and it was gassing me up i was beating my chest i was feeling myself <laughs> and it was a really cool feeling i loved it what was your favorite dunk from your time with the kings my favorite dunk probably isaac i love isaac to death but i just that dunk it just sits me really i love that dunk um yeah probably isaac 
what do you, uh, when you think back to, again, I've spoken about the journey that you've been on and now you go to the NBA and it's only the start of a, of a new journey for you, but uh, pretty healthy for the most part, which was the number one goal for you. Then two titles on top of that, the grand final MVP, regular season MVP, all NBL first team, all the, all the accolades you've had in the last two years. How satisfying is it for you? And I know you're not going to want to talk about yourself, but I'm going to ask you to do it based on where you were three years ago when you've spoken about there were some doubts. Yeah, I mean, I just think about when I did my Liz Frank and I was out and I, that was probably the first time I've had so much time by myself. And I remember being just so low and just missing basketball so much. And then you'd go fast forward to 24 months later and I'm, you know, I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling really good about myself. And it was an unbelievable journey. And I don't think it's really sat in, you know, sunk in, sorry. Um, even when people say you've had an unbelievable career and I just don't really think about it that way. I just think about we won championships. It's not about me. It's about winning championships. And I'm, that's what I'm most proud about is just the progression of the Sydney Kings in my time since I've been here. And like, I really feel like we're the capital of basketball in Australia right now. And I feel like I've had a little bit to do with that. I'm really proud of that. Well, we won't get into a Melbourne uh, versus Sydney debate. Oh, we want that smoke. Paul Smith is going to listen to this podcast. Let's be honest. So I don't need yeah. to hear from him. <laughs> He'll uh, take care of it for me. <laughs> yes, he absolutely will. Uh, so if we go back to, and again, not, not to bring out the bad times, but the 2019 World Cup, you're in the squad. You were going to be a part of it. You had to withdraw late. Uh, where does that sit with you in terms of, uh, I guess, frustrations or down points or low points for you? At the time, when I first made that Australian team, that was the, the highest of the highest for my basketball moment. Just to be on the team with the Paddy Mills, the Joe Ingles, Delivered Dover, those kind of guys. And even people were surprised I got invited to the camp, let alone made the team. And I remember when uh, Andre first told me, I went back to my room and I Never felt that kind of joy before. I was so happy with myself and satisfied and all that kind of stuff. And then, well, a week goes by and I go to the very first training, the very like, warm-up drill, and I do my knee. And that was, at first when I did my knee, it didn't sink in until I start getting the messages, I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, man, this sucks. Like I was so close to representing the country and going to the World Cup and playing at the highest level and I fell short. And the, sucks, the bad part about it is I've never been back on that team. I, I was the reserve for the Olympic team last year and hopefully this year for the World Cup, I make the squad, but... That's the tough part about it with sports. I haven't been back there yet and I hope I get the chance, but you never know. So with, with that being said, so you're watching the Olympics 2021 and you were so close uh, and we understand how close everyone is and you've got a lot of mates that were on that team and you would have been thrilled for them. But was it difficult in some ways from a competitive standpoint to watch uh, knowing that I imagine you were pretty desperate to be a part of it? Um. Not really. That one wasn't too tough. When, when I did my knee and um, the Boomers played USA in, in, Mel in Melbourne, in Marvel Stadium, <laughs> yeah. I was sitting courtside for that. And that was probably tougher for me just because that was my first injury. And I was sitting so close to the action playing against, you know, Jason Tatum and Kuzma and all those kind of guys not being able to play. And that was probably tougher than watching it on television because I was just more proud. When I, I was in um, quarantine when the, when the Olympics were on, I was just so proud of the boys. And I was the biggest cheerleader out of all of them. Trust me. It was awesome. Bradley Beal, was he on that team, teammate? Yep, yep, yep. And Coos, yeah, we're talking about it in the locker room. Oh, I like it, I like it. So you, you, those guys, and obviously uh, uh, Bradley Beal has been dealing with a, a bunch of health stuff through this season, but you have that kind of connection. Uh, how, you mentioned the locker room was pretty good to you, but how did you find um, you know, building relationships with these guys in such a short time? Yeah, it was good. It was really good. I mean, it's, it's a tough time to come into the season when um, – they're at the, the end stretch of their season. They're not going to yeah. make the playoff. Everyone's a little bit down. And I'm over there super excited. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Just like that really 
over-energized person, but everyone was super lovely. Everyone really made an effort to try and, you know, build relationships and that kind of stuff and take me out for dinner and all that kind of stuff. And so everyone was really lovely. Uh, so this year's World Cup then, uh, based on what you've said, I, I assume if I can do that, that it might be part of the plan if, if, it, if it works out. If it works out, that's for sure. I'll put my hand up for it and see what happens. So what does the next few, you're obviously back here in Australia now, what is the next, well, it's going to come around quickly, let's be honest, but the next uh, five months uh, mean until training camp for the NBA? Um, I'll probably stay in Australia for another month or so, maybe six weeks. And then I'll go back over to um, America and train in DC just to, you know, get up to speed with the players and the, the terminology and all the players and that kind of stuff and train with the boys getting ready for summer league. Um, hopefully I don't have to play summer league. I hate summer league. Everyone knows that. And then and, um, I'll come back over here for the World Cup preparation and then do the World Cup stuff if I make the team, hopefully, and then go back over to the States for the, uh, the training camp. You've said before you don't want to talk about it, but you brought it up and now you've got an NBA contract. So I'm going to ask you because you mentioned summer league. You got so sick of people asking you about this last year, and we understand why. Was there any part of you that, as the season went on, thinking, "Geez, did I did I do the right thing?" Um, there were some times when I saw Jack White sign a contract. I was like, right. "Man, I should have done summer league." But I mean, I just I, the style of basketball over there in summer league just isn't for me. Um, it's yep. so self oriented. I never get the rock, and when I do get the rock, I'm the kind of guy <laughs> that passes to the open person, and they're not doing the same thing back to me. And it's just frustrating. Um, even in my exit meeting with my GM in uh, Wizards, I just told him that same situation. He's like, oh, trust me, we hate Summer League too. It's all good. It's a bunch <laughs> of stuff. So don't even worry about it. So I had a little bit of regret early on, but I had a great time in Wellington and it really helped me progress as a basketball player. Um, in Wellington, it was the, probably the first time I've had to be like the guy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the year before, Jalen was the guy. So in Wellington, I was the guy. And that kind of helped me prepare for the season in Sydney Kings this year. Uh, you mentioned the exit interview. So if we go there now, uh, what was the advice? Was there any specific instructions that they, they, they obviously seen a little bit of you now and they were very well aware of what you were doing in the NBL, but what is uh, the instructions? There wasn't too much. Most of the meeting was about feedback for them. And they're yep. saying, what, what, do you, what can you complain about the travel? And I'm like, you guys are flying private planes. I just have <laughs> to complain about. But um, mainly just working on my shooting, that kind of stuff. And just just kind of just building my mentality and my confidence to play at that level. When I first got over there, I was a little bit doubting myself and that kind of stuff. And as the season went on, like I said, the last later couple of games, I got my confidence up and it's just building on that. And so I was going to ask you about the, uh, the travel situation and you only did it for a few weeks, but uh, we hear all sorts of stories from the planes and games and gambling and banter and carry on. What is the Washington situation like uh, on those planes? Oh man, that's locker room talk. We can't talk about that. We, 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 we play car, we play spades on the plane and it's still bad thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun, I'll tell you that much. Okay, so a lot better we, than flying commercial. <laughs> I, I know, I've said this. Flying back from Media Day last year, I'm sitting next to Jackson McCoy and I'm just going, man, I shouldn't be sitting next to you. You, you should be somewhere else on this plane. You shouldn't be sitting next to people like me. But <laughs> um, all right, so when we hope that you obviously get to this situation, but if you're playing cards and you're dealing with, you know, Bradley Beal and he's on 35. Million. Oh yeah, no, I can't compete. No, I can't, I can't compete with that. I'll sit that hand out. I'm not. I'm not the gambling type. When um, their sums of money is way larger than I can even <laughs> comprehend. So they got it. They got it. <laughs> well, as I said, hope, hopefully in the very, very near future. Only a couple more for you. So I, I texted you when uh, the NBL doco came out, and you know I love that. You know you've been outspoken about family and and travel, and sometimes the challenges of being away from family. And I texted you and said. Your daughter, I think, is is going to be a star in the future because she absolutely took over uh, that NBL, <laughs> that NBL doco uh, episode. Um, I imagine that any time away is challenging. 
uh, where does that sit in terms of you for the future? And how, was, was it a challenging period for you in the US? Living your dream, but obviously being away from people you care about. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough, especially because of the time difference. Um, I, I had yeah. moved to Wellington before and I was by myself over there, but you're on the same time timeline. So you can you can call every day yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it's tough when you're in America, you got to wake up early or do that kind of stuff. But it'll take some adjustment and I'll, you know, across that bridge next year when I come to it. Uh, last one. What do you want to improve or are you spoken about feeling comfortable um, at, at the level and going up against these guys? Uh, there are things that people point to all the time, but for you, what do you see as important to improve in your game to, to, uh, you know, continue to thrive at the NBA? Um, definitely shooting the way the NBA is going. It's a lot of three point shooting, um, three, three point shooting, free throw shooting. And then, really just being confident enough to define my role. You know what I mean? Being able to make errors and be comfortable with that. That's going to take a little bit of time because right now it's Bradley Beal's team and Kuzma's team and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of tough from going from Sydney Kings of being the guy and you can make whatever mistakes you want. It's all good to going over there. And if you make two mistakes, you get subbed out. So it's kind of tough to address that kind of stuff, but mainly just shooting, maybe put on a little bit of weight and yeah, confidence. I uh, love it, mate. I really appreciate the time. I know you've only just got back. You're probably just trying to get uh, a feeling back uh, normal again. So we appreciate it. Always good to catch up. Enjoy your time cool. back here and uh, work on the golf game, maybe. I don't know if that's something you need to hey, do. It well. needs some work. Trust me, it needs some work. But I got you. I got you. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.